Couch Chats is a series of real, open, honest and raw chats with some inspiring friends and women I have had the privilege to meet along my entrepreneurial journey, as well as some solo episodes from me. I hope this podcast can inspire you to always dream big and make it your reality. I am your host, Jess Williamson, a serial entrepreneur and business coach. And today I am super excited to be chatting with Emily Osmond. Emily is an international business coach and speaker. She has unfortunately experienced many sexual harassment cases across multiple workplaces, which saw her walk away from employment opportunities and wages. So she started her own business in her mid-20s, which has since generated more than a million dollars through her strategy and mentoring work. Emily is incredible and she teaches other women how to build financially and personally rewarding businesses with a mission of accelerating gender equality, which we will chat through in today's episode. Emily has a master's of communications and welcomed more than a thousand people through her flagship online course, the Modern Marketing Collective. Emily has attracted a community of over 40,000 people on her social platforms and she hosts one of Australia's top business podcasts, The Emily Osmond Show. So we have so much to share. We're going to chat about limiting beliefs, mindset, Emily's journey to getting to where she is, and of course, some modern marketing tips. Let's get started. Well, hey, Emily, I am so excited to have you on today's episode of Couch Chats. Welcome. Uh, Thank you, Jess. I'm excited to chat with you and see where this conversation takes us. (laughs) Yeah, well, you've had such an incredible journey so far. And I know as any entrepreneurial journey, I'm sure there's been a bit of a roller coaster ride to get to where you are. But what I would love to start off with is tell us where it all started. Where did this passion for marketing start? How did your journey start to getting to where you are? Because I think a lot of people look on and see all this success and this shiny, you know, end product, even though it's not the end, you know, you've still got your journey to go, but they see where you're at now and people don't often get to know the journey behind that. I often start with what I um, originally studied at uni. When I was doing year 12, I loved international studies. I did that subject. I just thought this is so interesting. So I went on, I did a Bachelor of Arts majoring in political science and minor in international development and found it so interesting. Really, really loved it. Although I probably only really got into uni seriously the third year because I was living on residence and that was so much fun. Anyway, I was finishing up my degree and doing some uh, volunteering and some work experience. And I saw an ad for a newsreader on the local community TV station and something about it. I just thought, oh, that sounds so fun. And so I went ahead, went for the interview and I managed to get this job or volunteering role on the local TV. So I started doing that and it was a great way to blend my interest in current affairs and the news with media. And that was kind of my first taste of media. I was also doing some volunteering for a university organization in some public relations. And just really, I had no idea what I was doing, but just learning and learning. So when I finished my arts degree, I was like, oh, 
crap, this is a little bit hard to get a job. I really love studying and learning. So I just went straight on. I did my master's and I chose to do communications because I just was really enjoying this taster I'd had of the communication space. But at the time, I thought I'd probably wanted to be a journalist. Anyway, during this time, I really see that I had probably about 10 years of living with depression, probably anxiety as well. I lost my dad when I was 13 in quite tragic circumstances. Yeah. And uh, we just moved from England. I grew up in England to Ballarat, actually, in regional Victoria. Beautiful place. And uh, it hit me really, really hard losing dad and just being new in the country without really I just started at school, I think probably a few weeks, a couple months earlier. So just really without a support network, apart from my mum's amazing family that are here and some new, new beautiful friends that I had. But uh, yeah, it hit me pretty hard. And like I said, I, I kind of look back and I can see that I was struggling for about a decade from 13 to 23. When I was doing my master's, I was living in Melbourne a lease was coming to an end. I was living with some gorgeous friends uh, and I made the decision to move back home with mom because I was really struggling to get through the day without just horrible anxiety and just feeling so low. So I'm sorry if this, yeah, I know it's quite heavy to talk about. but um, No, I think it's really valuable for anyone who's possibly in that space or who's even been there that, yeah, you're sharing this. I think it's really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. So I moved back and uh, what helped me was taking medication. So I started that and I started to feel a lot better, but yeah, it was, it was, oh, it was pretty horrible just going through that and, and working to get better. I ended up finishing that master's and also because I was in Ballarat, it was a really positive thing, actually, because I went and did uh, work experience at just every media company I could in Ballarat, the local ABC network there, Win Television, the radio stations, the paper. And I picked up casual work at pretty much all of those places. So I started having my taste of almost being self-employed in a way because I was a contractor, just managing my own schedule and doing these different jobs. And I was just like, anyone else know how amazing this is? Just like not having a nine to five and having different projects that you're working on. So that was a bit of a start. And one of the jobs I picked up was with a local woman who had her own public relations company. And uh, I got to see her work from her kitchen table, from home, around her kids, with her own clients. And again, that just planted that seed to see what it was like having your own business. So I think that kind of ruined me. And from there, I was just, there was just no chance that I was going <laughs> to, I was going to last long in the corporate world. <laughs> ruined is a nice way of putting it. <laughs> so I did go on and I worked at the tourism, local tourism company in Ballarat, started as a contractor, went part-time, went full-time, which I think I was only full-time for about a year. And I know that you, Jess, were working in digital marketing and it was very similar for me as well. I started on the social media and that role grew to Instagram came out when I was in that role. I remember it was like, oh, what's this platform? And what else was doing copy and web kind of management, internal comms, just, just a whole range and just loved it. But also I had had that taste of working for myself. And to be honest, I think it was also because I just knew I just wanted to have a bit more control over my day. 
And I know that you can resonate in some ways with me in terms of I definitely feel like I'm more of an introvert. I just need to manage my energy probably as well because I was managing my own mental health and just a few different factors as well as just being like, screw this. I want to give this a go. I think I can go out on my own. And that's amazing to know that. How old were you at that stage? I think I was about 25, I think, about that age. Yeah. And that's a really good self-awareness to have at that age as well, to just know what you need and where you're at. Because, I mean, I'm only getting to that point in my journey now where I'm like, <laughs> oh, energy management. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, pro- I wouldn't have been able to voice it at the time, but I definitely recognized that I just felt like I didn't really fit into the nine or to the corporate role. I know it's not always nine to five. It can be a lot longer hours, but I just, uh, yeah, it just didn't really work too well for me. Mm, wow. Then from there, how did we get to where you are today? What kicks off the Emily Osmond brand? Again, like windy, but uh, I started out, so I had quite a range of experience and uh, I'd also built up a, a great network of local business owners in the town or this regional city I was living in, which was just really, really powerful to have that network. So I, I picked up different client work. I figured out what on earth I was doing. I said yes to everything. <laughs> pretty much. And just use those different skills I had and learned a lot too by saying yes. So it was doing different digital marketing, social media. A lot of people were coming to me for that social media help as I was managing the platforms at the tourism body that I had been at. I had about three years of running that business and working with clients. But again, I just kind of got that feeling that I couldn't shake that this wasn't for me. And it was kind of weird because I'd intentionally gone out. I didn't really know what my business was going to look like when I quit my job and started my own business. I let it go kind of where it went. I had built it up quite well. I had a couple of contractors. I had uh, about six months worth of work booked in ahead of time, but I didn't really see myself growing the business anymore. I saw that to grow it would probably mean taking on bigger clients or more clients or more contractors. And when I looked forward at the life that I wanted to live and the type of lifestyle I wanted, that just felt really anxiety inducing to me to take those moves. So it was like, it was a bit of a challenging time because I just thought, what am I doing? This is my own business. And surely I should be most of the time really, really enjoying this and excited about it. But I wasn't. I made the decision. It was, I think, probably 2017 around Christmas, New Year. And I just kind of made the decision. I've got to change something. What am I doing doing this and not really, really enjoying it? Something's got to change. And so I stopped taking on any more clients and just gave myself a bit of space. I had that six months of work to just figure something out. And around this time, I listened to a podcast episode and it was with someone that ran their own membership. And finally, that penny kind of dropped for me that maybe I could do that too. Whereas previously, I just felt that the only people that I saw with online programs were American. Other people seemed so much like bolder and louder and more confident than I felt. So many reasons. But anyway, I was like, right, this is really feeling like something I want to do. But I was still nervous. I had a free Facebook group. I put out a survey in there and asked people what they would love and had different options in there. And the majority came back saying, would they pay me each month to provide them with ongoing tips and strategies? 
And so it was kind of like, crap, okay, I think I've got to do this, even though it's scary. So yeah, that was about three-ish years ago. And I launched my program, The Modern Marketing Collective. And again, that has evolved over these years, but it's just what lights me up, what I love. I love the people I get to work with through there and see their businesses grow and them as individuals grow as well. So I guess my business today, I have that program and uh, I do my speaking and podcasting. Amazing. What a journey to get there. And obviously I love talking about mindset. So what I would love to touch on is, did you have any limiting beliefs along the way you mentioned it was a little bit scary and you were like should I do this or not but you put it out there and you kind of committed to it but what limiting beliefs or mindset challenges did you overcome through that? So I remember after I actually launched it and had the first students enroll then I I freaked out and I was just like oh my gosh what if someone asked me something and I won't know the answer are they going to like all think that I actually don't know anything and I'm no good at this? Are they like just all those things around imposter syndrome after I actually launched the thing and just worried about, oh my gosh, are they all going to be like, this is no good. Who Like she doesn't even know anything. So definitely that one. There's so many. I remember like the first speaking gig I got asked to do, I just was convinced they had mistaken me for someone else. Just like, why are they asking me? And so I said, I said no, because I just, I was like, I'm going to turn up and they're going to be like, oh crap, we did not mean to ask her. And I just, I was so, I just like, there's no way I can get up and talk in front of people. Whereas now it's like my favorite thing to do. Yeah, definitely that. So nervous about talking and eventually did more and more of it. And now I just adore it. Thinking of looking at those individuals in in the crowd and just, I don't know, I just, I guess I love my work and I love the things that I get to share and talk about and teach. So I, I've learned to really love that, but definitely at the start. And even podcasting, I used to write out like word for word if I was asked on a podcast, my first few podcasts, I'd have like my script of my responses. And now it's like you and me both sitting here doing each other's podcasts. And it's like, oh, yeah, I was thinking of talking about this. That sound good. It's like, yeah, fine. Let's just see where this goes. But I still have my own mindset challenges that I just work on and think, is that true? Is that true? Yeah, we always are learning and growing and I don't think we ever stop. If we do think we've stopped, well, there's a new challenge coming your way soon. I know you mentioned, you know, looking at the individuals in the audience and I think finding something that you're super passionate about that you mentioned, it makes the hard work easier because there's always going to be hard work, but finding what you're passionate about has been a real key for me. But what else have you found that's really helped you with that imposter syndrome and and maybe realizing, hey, they are actually probably asking me to speak. <laughs> when it was with my program, I definitely found things got better for me when I started seeing the results from my students. I'm like, okay, yeah, good. This works. Okay, we're good. We're good. I think it's terrible that it's like that. I think it is a maybe a gendered thing as well and a personality thing. I needed that reassurance that it was good. I couldn't believe that myself. So I don't think that's a good thing, but that definitely helped me. In terms of the speaking, nowadays more so people can get a feel for me on social media. And I, I guess they'll like they'll they'll know if they like me and like my energy or not. And also I get like great feedback from doing speaking. So I think again, I'm like, okay, well, I've got to remember if someone's asking me, it's because they see something in me that they they like or they want at the event. So if they believe in me, then 
I guess I can do this. And just learning and practicing so much, just doing these speaking gigs, figuring out uh, what works. And I remember actually I was having a laugh to one of my friends because I spoke at her event and it was one of my first speaking events. She's a speaking coach and I'd done a, a workshop with her and she taught us about kind of moving around, walking across the stage, but I couldn't do the two things at once back then. So I like stopped what I was saying. I then like walked across the stage and then picked up again and I kind of said, oh, you taught me how to do that. I think I did that really terribly, but <laughs> it was kind of funny. Just little by little learning and getting that practice in by saying yes. Yeah, definitely. I think that is the key. I mean, if you didn't practice that walking, you never would have been able to walk and talk at the same time, right? So every little bit is is learning. We're always going to screw up the first time we do anything. But at the same time, I shared my story about public speaking on your podcast recently, and I thought it was a massive mess up. But then someone said, thanks, that was great. You know, so we always are our own worst critics as well. I think as well, what I do is just approach it with really enjoying it and having fun with it, just kind of being there to to enjoy it. And I think when you do that, the audience can feel that as well, that you want to be there and you're smiling and you're happy. And also, I guess that's my quite natural deposition. But yeah, I think that makes a big difference too. Mm, definitely. People can always feel the energy that you're putting off. One thing that I actually learned is like putting on some fun music and just getting in the zone yourself, like into that fun environment rather than feeling nervous. You channel that nervous energy into excitement and it's almost the same waves through our brains. So it's an easy one to change. That's one I rely on, you know, because sometimes shit hits the fan in business and then you've got to show up for your clients. You've got to show up, you know, if you've got a speaking gig and something really goes wrong, you've still got to be there and shop with really great energy. So I find that that's been really helpful as well, just channeling some fun music and having a bit of a dance if you need to. No one has to look, (laughs) no one has to see you, but that has been really good as well. So you mentioned very briefly just then that perhaps some of your limiting beliefs might have been around the gender side of things. And I know that you're a massive spokesperson and you do such incredible work on promoting equality and just standing up for those people who may not necessarily always have a voice. Why have you found that this is the thing that you want to make the impact on the world and leave a legacy Such a good question. It's so funny because I used to always try really hard to think, what am I good at? What difference do I want to make? And I used to just really, really try and think about it and and figure it out. And then um, I've done some work with some amazing coaches and one in particular, Louise O'Reilly, doing some work with her and looking at what our values are and also coming from our own experiences. And it was funny, like even just chatting with her and realizing what really made me angry, like what really fueled a fire in me. And that was around just like, why the hell do women not get the same respect and reverence as the voices of of men? It's just something that I'm really passionate about and really care about. And I often say to my clients, even if we just made 0.0001% of a difference, like that is still a difference, still a little raw in some ways to do so. But just looking at those different times when uh, things were said to me or I was treated in certain ways that were gender specific, where gender equality wasn't there 
where it was misogynistic or where it was uh, discrimination. And just having that, that little rage inside of me, that's not okay. And I would love to see the future where we have such better diversity of leaders. When we look at our government and look at a better diversity of leaders there, not just in gender, but in so many different ways. And I think that as business owners, we have the power in our hands to do this, to choose who come into our space. It's so overdue and it's so time for us to improve the way that different genders are treated and just eliminate the fact that there's one that is supposedly superior to the other. If people could take one action or do one thing to help support that, what could they do today? So funny because I had this conversation um, again the other day. It was around a different topic, but I was just saying, oh, God, there's like nothing I can do. And again, the amazing Louise called me out on it. And I realized, well, I have my voice. I have an enormous amount of privilege and I have an influence because I have more than one person that, or I have, you know, one person or more. That's all of us that follows us all of us actually have something we can do by first of all, like figuring out what matters to us. And then just even using your voice, we can do so much. And also perhaps looking at the ways that we are ourselves in the way that we think about ourselves as women and thinking about, am I playing small or am I accepting certain uh, beliefs around me? And perhaps starting to just challenge those ourselves. Yeah, there's a lot of power in that. But knowing that we have a voice and that can do a lot. I think that is one of the most powerful things. I mean, people throughout history, you know, have made huge, huge waves with just one comment or, or one thing that has changed history. Our voices can be super, super powerful. So I just wanted to commend you on the incredible work and speaking up that you do do because it is making a difference and I can see that just through your community and and all of the action that you're taking. Oh, thank you, Jess. All right, so before we finish up, I want to change gears a little bit and obviously you run the Modern Marketing Collective. So I would love to know what does modern marketing mean to you? I love your questions. So if we look at more traditional or old school marketing, it was quite transactional. It was about the product more so, whereas today it's really about the customer is the focus. It was one way. It was push. It was this is the message that we're pushing out there to the mass Today, like, oh my gosh, marketing is so much richer. We get to have dialogue with our customers, social media, online marketing, digital. We get to have those conversations. It's also not so much about the product only. This will be a challenge for some people, but it's also about our values as the business, what we stand for, who we are as people behind the business. Figuring out what you care about and what you stand for is so important. And I think more so moving forward, and we're already seeing it. As consumers, we're going to be a lot more picky around who we choose to buy from based on what companies stand for and, and how they articulate that. And if they actually are willing and courageous enough to put it out there, modern marketing is, is really about conversations as well. As small business owners, we get to have those, perhaps it's in the direct messages, perhaps it's in through the emails, the phone calls, that really personalized form of, of marketing and conversation with our audience as well. And uh, I really see that modern marketing, it takes creativity 
always testing. It's really about content and looking at new ways we can put content out there that is captures attention, is engaging, is of value, even if it's just purely entertainment value, and that provides something to our audience. Apart from creativity, it's about courage. So having that voice, being okay to do things differently that aren't the status quo, not necessarily just looking at what others doing or copying it, but, but being willing to try and fail and get things wrong. And then it's also about connection, connection with your audience. Like I mentioned, showing who you are, what you stand for, having those conversations and really building that trust with your audience as well. So there's so much to it, but I know that so many people come out of corporate where this was not even a thing they probably had to think about and they go into their own business and it can feel quite confronting and scary to now be basically the voice of the business, the face of the business to a degree, but we are all media companies. And if you can use even just the word I versus we, that can be a big difference. Just actually putting yourself into your brand rather than speaking kind of as the corporate that you came from, where it was all about, we believe and we do this, but just actually putting yourself into your, into your marketing and uh, showing up getting your face out there, getting your voice out there, your message out there. And there's so much power in that. And that's really going to just bring people closer towards your business. And they're just going to trust you so much more than being more of a faceless entity. So yeah, a couple of things that you can do. Yes, that's super powerful. And gone are the days where you had your A-frame sign and you put it out the front and the customers came in. I know that, you know, speaking to my dad and he's been in business for a long, long time, you know, you used to make a business plan and you'd be set for 10 years, you know, now things change every day. Like every single day, there's something new happening. So being adaptive and with what you were saying, I think a lot of people also get stuck on, oh, that's great for you to say, cause you've got a personal brand. And I hear people say this all the time, but even with my product-based business, we instilled those values in the fact of I always used plus size models, diverse cultures, you know, all sorts of ethnicities. And to be honest, we ended up mostly having more people who weren't Caucasian, you know, wearing the swimwear than not. And so that's what people bought into. And then when we bought out our sustainable range, people follow the brand. Yes, because it was a good product, which is kind of a thing that you probably should have if you're going to be selling something, but people really connected because we had that. And so it 100% applies to everything and 100% I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. You were showcasing what you stood for, what mattered to you. And like I said, it's just so powerful and really the way forward. And those brands that either aren't willing to be courageous enough to do that or still believe that they can run a business without having a sense of that personal brand or human connection in it are just going to get left behind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think especially over this past year as well, people are looking for human connection more than ever. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing that, definitely seeing that. And I think as well, just recognising where your audience are. People ask me around how do you balance, like how personal should you be on social media? And I think that's the wrong way to look at it because then we are still splitting ourselves between two personalities or two personas with the professional me and then I'm just going to throw in a little bit of personal me. Whereas I just really encourage everyone to think about how can we be just authentic And if we look at our social media or look at our marketing, does it feel authentic to us? Does it really showcase who we are? Does it feel like, yeah, that's true representation of me? So if we can think about, let's just forget about 
professional, personal, and just move forward thinking, am I being authentic? It really does uh, come across. Incredible. I saw you did a reel on that, I think yesterday possibly. And yeah, that was so, so true. Although I have seen a brand that was quite, I don't even know how to explain it, but the owner then decides to post her whole album of her hen's party on the brand's account and it was not on <laughs> oh brand gosh. at all. Was like, that a mistake? Not on brand. <laughs> no, it was still there forever. Like oh, wow. I was like, that's okay, but it's not on brands. Like if the brand was more about partying and getting loose and, you know, there's some really great brands out there about that, makes sense. But if it is a personal account, then go for it. But that's the only instance that I've really seen where I'm like, what is going on? And you know what? That's probably because it felt really jarring because you were like, hang on, this doesn't align with what I thought of for the brand. And perhaps because they haven't really figured out what their values were, what they stood for, who the people were they wanted to attract. So when they then posted something that to them was like, oh, yeah, this is just normal. It's like, whoa, hang on a minute. I am confused. You're not who I thought I was. Yeah. And it takes the pressure off when we're just ourselves. It just takes the pressure off. It's like, okay, well, I can't be anymore. This is just who I am. Absolutely. And I think that can happen more so in product-based businesses because it's a product, right? And if anyone has a look at my my swimwear account, I'm not running it anymore. But even if people look at that and then they look at my personal account, they're like, why is everything pink and blue? It's like, that's just my favorite color. It literally, that account looks the same as my current account. So <laughs> that for me was an easy one. But if you're running a brand that maybe you have a vision that's a little bit separate from your personal identity, that's where people could maybe get a little bit mixed up. Well, thank you so much for being so, so raw, open and honest and being vulnerable and sharing your journey with us today, but also your amazing, amazing tips. And where can everyone connect with you and get to know you more? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Jess. It's been so good to chat. I can't wait till we can actually meet in person. I have a podcast, so Jess is a guest, and you can find my podcast at The Emily Osmond Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Come say hi. Let me know what you got out of this conversation on my Instagram. You can message me at Emily Osmond. And, uh, yeah, website where you can find out about my work is Emily Osmond, nice and easy. Awesome. Well, I will put those in the show notes as well. Thank you again for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to hang out in person sometime soon as well. Wow, what an episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Emily Osmond. If you would love more from Emily, she is actually going to be the guest expert speaker inside of my Dreamers and Doers membership this month. So if you would like access, I've put the links in the show notes for you. The Dreamers and Doers membership is only 57 Australian dollars per month and you get two masterclasses, Q&A sessions with me and our amazing, amazing community. So this month we've got Emily. If you would like to join, you can cancel anytime as well. And it is jam-packed with value for just 57 Australian dollars a month. So feel free to reach out. If you did enjoy this episode, please make sure you share it to your social media, share it with a friend, share it with someone who needs to hear this because I know that Emily dropped so much value in this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I will speak to you all soon. Have an amazing week.